podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast with your hosts, James Baldwin, Freya Brolsma and Campy. Yes, we're back for 2024. Lewis Hamilton ruins everyone's Formula One holiday. Andretti, who cares? Brody Kostecki, probably someone cares. Coca-Cola, where they've gone in many different directions. And we're back. We're back properly. It's 2024. It's pre-season testing coming up this week. And I'm joined by my expert friends and yours, Freya Brolsma. Hello. Oh, experts. That's uh, <laughs> maybe the best stretch I've heard, but a good one. Uh, very well. Good to see you. Self-proclaimed F1 prophet himself joining us after a well-needed break, Thomas J. Camp. Hello, mate. Hello. That's a bit of a lull too, Jim. Self-proclaimed <laughs> F1 prophet. I didn't get too much right last year, but I did get two or three things right, so I suppose it keeps me in the, uh, in the order of whatever it is I think I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's plenty to think about what you are, who you are, and hey, massive thank you to you if you are new to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing, for downloading this episode. It's great to have you, and it's great to have you if you are returning. So wherever you're listening, all across the world, thank you so much for joining Lakeside Drive in 2024. It is pre-season testing, as I mentioned, and we're going to cover all of the news that's happened, well, at least all the confirmed news and some of the liveries as we head into 2024 properly in this episode of the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. All right, team. So much to talk about. Uh, I'm glad that we resisted the urge to do an emergency podcast about Lewis Hamilton. Everyone else was doing it. I was frustrated that he'd ruined my F1 holiday. (laughs) Uh, It's not happening for a year, so everyone can settle down. Um, And more importantly, the sport has ruined everything already by rejecting the Andretti bid. So I want to start there before we talk about Lewis because to me, that was the most important bit of news that was completely overshadowed by that announcement. Uh, Freya, let's start with you. Uh, there was so much pushback from F1 as a sport. The FIA were pretty happy to have Andretti in. A lot of people were happy to have Andretti in. How did you see all of this play out? I think it's incredibly disappointing insofar as they had ticked all the boxes as far as the FIA is concerned, which really should then see kind of Formula One as a bit of an administrative exercise. I think um, the reason being that they have their own interests and the thing which really got me was that there was a statement, a part of the statement I think which read from, um, from Formula One which was saying we think this is going to bring more to Andretti than Andretti is going to bring for us. And I just thought, um, excuse me, <laughs> why are you all here? And let's be clear, it is not for <laughs> yes. the pure, you know, um, you know, social caring or like benefit of the sport as a whole. It is for your own professional and business interests. So that to me was just, you know, pot kettle black all over the place. I think it's really disappointing. I can understand the kind of argument around saying the timing might not have been right because if they were to come in next year, they would basically have to build two, build two cars within their first two years of operating as a new team. Um, and if you're saying that we can do that, then maybe you don't understand the scope of what is required to make that happen. Um, it's tricky because then of course they would just say, well, 
give us a go and let, let's prove you wrong. And that's a fair enough stance to take as well. Um, I think overall it's really disappointing. They've done what they need to do. It's still an option for 2028 based by the way they were looking at things in terms of General Motors coming in. Um, but, again, that's going to set everything back uh, a little while. But overall I think it's disappointing and massively hypocritical. <laughs> Campy, there has been a lot of talk about this, really, but I have been waiting to hear your opinion on this, and I haven't asked you purposely outside of recording a podcast because I know this is going to be a good one. Oh, look, look, F1 under Liberty Media, since they've taken over, has expanded the sport in every single way, except for the on-track and how many cars are on track. Andretti has a rich history in motorsport, Right throughout the world, they are clearly scaling up their operations through categories all over the world for the last three or four years, and F1 is the ultimate goal. I think they've done those things in order to get into F1 in order to qualify. They come with significant financial backing, as Fro said. They tick every single box except for F1. Now, I think there's probably some things going on behind doors within the F1 teams and that those associations there. I think I think it was about four or five years ago they had a, a new enterprise bargain agreement which uh, divvied up the money from F1 to the teams throughout the season depending on on finishes and they get a base load of money just for competing now as well. I don't think teams, especially the lower teams like your Haases and possibly your Williams and your and your Saubers or Stake, whatever they're called now, they don't want <laughs> those funds diluted at all because they re- they rely on them in order to do what they do. Now, interestingly, about eighteen months after that new EBA come out, they said they released a statement. If and when when Andretti started to talk about this is. If you want to see it, and you're going, they're going to have to pay a half a billion dollars to uh, the F1 organisation for the licence for that team, which is chump change in this sport and the investment that's needed. But uh, that was to shore up any potential um, any potential losses that those smaller teams might take in, in the money that they've uh, they can use to spend. So. Anyway, look, it's just a shit decision, really. I think all the fans want to see new teams, new colours, and uh, they can bring something to the sport, clearly. And I don't like the comment about they will get more out of this than we will. Well, exactly. Of course they will. (laughs) They're trying to expand their global racing empire into the biggest racing team you know, the biggest racing organisation in the world. I just think it's think it's ridiculous, but like F1 and the politics that goes on behind clothes, we don't really know what's happened. I don't think F1 as an organisation is in Liberty Media has probably handled it the best way they could and uh, they're keeping their mouth shut and won't say too much. But it's a shocking decision. I think the other thing is they said, so Formula One management said the presence of an 11th team would not on its own provide value to the championship. And I was like, oh, like your 10th team? Haas is currently providing value to yes, the championship, right. really. So it's such an arbitrary cutoff, you know, in terms of saying 10 teams and sure we've got some logistical considerations to go with that with your garages and your pit straights and all that type of thing. But to say that 10 is valuable to the championship but 11 is not is just the most arbitrary classification of how a team adds value to the sport. It doesn't make sense given who we are seeing compete at the moment. Yeah, and you look at the Williams area era that we did from 2016, it was horrendous. Yeah. I mean, they were three laps behind after, you know, 20 minutes of a race. So we sat through that era. What possible, you know. Anyway, I'm moving on. Well, what, what do you reckon, James? 
Thank you. Yeah, it's the wrong call. Uh, the the bubble of Formula One will burst at some point. The popularity. I'll be interested to know the numbers of Drive to Survive this year compared to previous years. Um, I think Netflix's content quality is declining uh, more than increasing. But I haven't yet watched the NASCAR documentary. Apparently, it's pretty good. Um, anyway, who knows what what's going on in that respect? But I just think F one should be future-proofing itself. Uh, there are a lot of fans who came to the sport because of Drive to Survive. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if that's you, it's great. I'm, I'm bloody stoked that you're here. But I think if you hadn't watched Formula One before, you saw 2021 and you went, wow, that was bloody exciting and heaps and heaps of drama. And then Max Verstappen just continues to dominate for the rest of uh, the seasons. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. It is also what happens in Formula One. We have a really interesting year or two and then a team Mercedes or Red Bull or Ferrari or whomever dominate for a little bit. So uh, I think it's it's stupid on their part. Other comments about can't fit them in the pit lane, okay, but you can fit Brad Pitt and a whole movie crew into pit lane in Silverstone. So I think that is just a ridiculous thing to say as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's people being precious. And for me, it's too much of like, uh, no, this is like the old boys, the old girls club. No, no, this is is too exclusive. You're not allowed in. You know what's what is IndyCar and NASCAR and no, that's too American. It's uh, you're not allowed here. It's ridiculous because I think the US audience. And if you're from the US, let me know in the Discord. Uh, would you prefer to have Andretti rather than Haas? Because I don't think anyone gets behind Haas as a US team. Anyway, let's keep moving on. Uh, we mentioned in our bonus episode, which I'm calling it now. Uh, our Formula Cold Ones episode when we all got together to catch up just after we made uh, the little ad that you may have seen on our social media. If you haven't yet, go check it out. Campy uh, can walk and talk. He can walk forwards and talk to a camera and deliver the line incredibly well. I was very proud of you, Campy, and I enjoy watching <laughs> that a lot. Uh, we spoke a little bit about Gunther Steiner and Haas. We won't touch on it here again except to say uh, Haas have made the wrong decision and it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out going forward, especially in light of what's been happening with Andretti. Um, let's talk about Hamilton, though, because it's probably the second biggest bit of news to, to come out. Um, Campy, let's start with you on this one. Many, many, many multiple champions from previous teams have gone to Ferrari and done absolutely nothing except for be pushed out by Ferrari. Do you think this will be any different now because of the changes that have been made all the way from the team principal down. Well, if you could compare Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso and their careers, you would say Alonso, wrong place, wrong time, every decision he's ever made. Whereas Hamilton, <laughs> every decision he's made, well, albeit only one massive team change, was totally the right decision. So he's won, he's won from one 100% at the moment. So... Um, <laughs> Oh look! I think it's exciting. He's always he's always talked about Ferrari as you know that's the red team. It's what you dream of racing for as a kid, and 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 he's had ample opportunity. What I think it's the best time for him to move mm. on from Mercedes. He's he's gone two seasons now without a win, which is the first you know first time that's happened in his career up until last year. He had a win in every year, and. Uh, Oh, look, we know the calibre of driver is. It's going to be interesting and strange to see him in red, but I think it'll work. Um, will Ferrari do what they've done to Hamilton to the history books? Well, who knows? I think it's more of a tick for Fred Vasseur and the way that organisation is is headed, and I think Lewis realises that and he's moving. So I think it's good for the sport. It's, 
it opens up a seat at Mercedes, which we thought wouldn't be open for a long time. I'm excited about it. I like I like change, big change like that. It's good, and I, you know, Lewis doesn't have to do anything more in this sport, but he clearly wants one more title, one more win, one more pole position. Just keep on racing. He's got that sort of mindset. And Alonso has proved that you can drive well into your 40s and if you're still on top of your game, you can be at the top end of this sport for a long time. Yeah, Freo, I mean, he's chasing that elusive eighth championship. There's no doubt about that. Historically, Ferrari have been bloody hopeless uh, unless they've had a Frenchman in charge or, you know, Ross Braun in charge or someone else. Now that Bernardo's gone, you know, maybe (laughs) we can go back to the good old days. An interesting point, though, announcing as early as they did, um, and one of the things that I think why they've done that is because Freddie Vasseur will be wanting to get some key people to come across the Ferrari. Gardening leave generally is a 12-month period. Announce it well before testing starts. If you can pinch people from Red Bull or from Mercedes or from other teams, Aston Martin or whomever, to try and get the best lineup possible, you can do that in the period between the announcement to this week get them to sign a contract, and then have that 12 months play out. They're in the team for Ferrari for next year and potentially an absolute mega team. They've nailed the timing on this for sure. I think from a business perspective, like you said, it's going to create a really attractive proposition for the best of the best from a technical perspective and from an operational and commercial perspective for people who they might want to bring over to that team. As you said, contractually wise, it's very likely to work well for them when it comes to timing. The other person who I think it is fairly considerate of in a situation where it's very difficult to be considerate of that person is Carlos Sainz in that he goes into the season knowing at least one thing, which is that he's not going to be with this team for next year, right? So imagine him coming into this season. There's rumours floating around and people were still denying it because, oh, no, talks haven't happened and, uh, you know, I haven't had those conversations and the rumour bill is just getting so much momentum and there's speculation from idiots like us left, right and centre and you're (laughs) going out there trying to do your job every weekend um, and in a way kind of buffer yourself against a blow which is probably coming but you don't know about. I think this is going was going to be a really difficult situation in particular for Carlos but also for Mercedes if they let it kind of drag out into the middle of the season. So as much as I'm heartbroken this, that Science is leaving Ferrari and I have lots of other thoughts about that just in terms of his potential and his, how much he's stacked up against uh, Leclerc. He's the only person who's had a win last season against Verstappen, let's be clear. Um, I have lots of thoughts there, but, you know, in an impossible situation, this is probably the best they could do for having as much certainty as they can um, for both Carlos Sainz and for Mercedes. And I, like, I don't, I'm not concerned about Carlos for next year, to be entirely honest. I think he's got a really good reputation in terms of his work ethic. He has started to see some really strong results in a really competitive season and um, I, he'll, he'll get picked up. We've got so many contracts at the end of this year coming to a close that I think he'll be quite an attractive proposition to other teams. Let's not forget also, he did that to Seb. There was a full year yep. of racing before Carlos came into Ferrari. It is unfortunate for him, but at the same time, was he ever going to be preferenced as the number one driver to win a world championship if Ferrari had the car to do that? Exactly. Now, yeah. I actually 
potentially feel more sorry for Charles because Charles was the number one driver absolutely up until this point and now he won't be the number one driver regardless of how you spin it, at least for that first year, and he will have to prove himself yet again uh, in a team that he has sort of built himself into. But also Lewis is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal in terms of how he gets into a team. Uh, Campy will enjoy this reference, but Josh Revel on YouTube, uh, he's helped come on this podcast before, but he's a New Zealander, did a episode on Lewis Hamilton and the rise of Lewis Hamilton. It's on YouTube. Go and check it out because it is a fantastic reminder of just how bloody good Lewis Hamilton is. And I think we've all become very used to the dominance with Mercedes Shore and the way he was able to drive that car, even compared to Brittany or compared to uh, Valtteri Bottas. But for going forward into Ferrari, it's going to be interesting again because the way he and Fernando operated in McLaren versus... Um, how he and Charles will operate will just be very interesting. So I'm here for it because it's a big bit of silly season shakeup that really makes everything interesting again because we came out of last year, didn't we, with no bloody changes. Yeah. The only change was going to be Visa Cash App RB. We're not even calling it Racing Bulls apparently. It's just RB <laughs> or VCARB um, just to really go down that path. But I'm here for it. I'm excited because it also means Mercedes opens up and a whole range of other things will open up. Um, plenty of conjecture about who's going to go into that Mercedes seat. I think we'll save that for another time because let's just go racing first or testing at least first. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, we're back. Let's talk about a team that will make absolutely zero progress this year, Alpine. Uh, Freya, apparently they have a new team principal. Well, it's the same team principal that they didn't have last year, basically. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't actually realise that this had happened insofar as Bruno Famine was um, put forward as their interim team principal when everything went on last year. Um, He's actually got more of a background in Rallycross and uh, Dakar and things like that, working with Sebastian Loeb with Dakar and has had quite a lot of success um, in different racing categories. It'll be really interesting to see what he does here. And I'm very pleased for them that they've made this decision and that that is now something that's confirmed again going into the season. I think it would have been a real reflection of a serious lack of management decision-making and leadership within that team had they managed to allow themselves to go into a whole new season with no team principal. That would have been a really poor reflection on them as an organisation more than anything else. So I'm glad that they've got that done. Um, Like I said, he joined Alpine prior to the 2022 campaign as their executive director um, for the engine division and he took over that interim role ahead of the 2023 Dutch GP. So he knows the team. I think what's interesting is, is he able to make changes as quickly as they need to to make sure that they're going in the right direction up the constructors constructors championship in comparison to dropping from fourth to sixth, which is what they did last year. So hopefully he can make some good decisions and make ha- change happen quickly and also, quite importantly, help those two drivers to get a really good dynamic going because I think it's something that is potentially going to stand in their way uh, for this year and they need to start working together. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And Bruno has such a great 
amount of motorsport pedigree, it's good that they actually gave him the job. It was almost disrespectful to not just immediately give him in, even in the title of team principal rather than, oh, we haven't made our minds up yet. Yeah. And finally, you know, do this like temporary promotion and then finally promoted into the job because, yeah, you've done well enough. Really poor HR role there. Uh, Campy, do you think, though, Alpine will actually have the ability to get their shit together this year? O- no. Ocon's got... <laughs> This year left, do you, and then his seat is open. I would really think that he'd be. I mean, he's putting himself up to for the Mercedes seats. Let's be honest; it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, he is. To- he was Toto's golden boy for a while, and uh, he's. He's. You know, he was the reserve driver when he missed out on that year in F one, and and Toto promised him that he'd get him back, get him a seat back in F one. But uh, so he would like his chances, being the self confident young lad he is. Um, yeah, look, I think he's a bit delusional, if I'm honest. But uh, look, here, I, I don't, I don't, I don't rate Ocon or Gasly really as drivers. Do you not? Shocking. I, I. I <laughs> I say that because I say that because of how much how amateur Ocon looked against Danny Rick, our boy, and that's my benchmark. Danny Rick's <laughs> god, and uh, everyone else below that and is not as good is no good. So, but I don't think I don't. Whilst Gasly probably overall had the better year last year, uh, I don't think there was times of that times of last year that that. Um, that Gasly was dominated by Ocon, and and one lap he needs to get better. So, look, I I think I think Alpine will end up being like Williams. They will be on the downward slide for the next two or three years. I think they have lost so much ground with the restructuring of of the the executive of that team and board members, and you know, then team principals and everybody else that's left and come and gone. I, I just think that you cannot get any continuity in in the plans that you're trying to uh, to achieve without losing on track performance the way they've handled it. I, I, I think there's going to be teams that are way better suited and have the groundwork and and the personnel in place in order to make the jump up the grid in performance wise. There's nothing that Alpine's done. Since Danny Rick was in that car, that's suggested to me that they're they're in a better place. So, I think they'll be the Williams. I think we'll go back. They'll slide back down to probably not last, but in that eighth, ninth sort of in positions. It might not happen this year, but in the next couple of years, definitely will. Um, teams, will, the lower teams, will catch up to them and get better. So, uh, and then Renault or Alpine as an organisation, you know, it's owned by the French people too. They've got to decide whether that's a worthy investment and do they do it. I know they've got some movie stars and people invested into that team pretty heavily to, you know, jump on the F1 bandwagon, but I can't see it working for me. They're never going to win a title unless they produce it, unless they get out of this hybrid engine regulations we're in. Turbo hybrid, sorry. I want to jump now to F1 Academy, Freya, because I think this is very, very awesome. Um, And F1 Academy is doing a lot more this year. Uh, All of the teams have a driver, so they're all partnering. Everything is going ahead really, really well. Can you talk to us about this new, an activation, but also this new partnership that is really caught everyone by surprise, including you? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Cabby, what do you reckon about Charlotte Tilbury? Are you one of their yes, uh, number please. one customers? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, if I'm honest, I've never heard her name. So. All right, well, <laughs> put it this way. She's got a lot more money than you do. In fact, all of us combined. 
That's not hard. Uh, so not hard. This was absolutely fascinating. Now I have to say this, coming from somebody who loves Charlotte Tilbury. I I love Charlotte Tilbury. I wear Charlotte Tilbury currently, literally. This is not sponsored, but I wear her stuff. I love it, and it's incredible, incredible brand. So basically, what has happened is that Charlotte Tilbury um, has come out as global sponsor for F1 Academy. So it's the first female founded. Um, brand to partner with the F1 Academy. And it's one of the first beauty brands that we've seen involved with Formula One. It's global. It is an incredibly successful company. And what is so fascinating to me is it reminds you about all the other people who are watching this, right? Like I don't think anyone had thought about the fact that, you know, Charlotte Tilbury is out there somewhere looking at F1 Academy and going, that aligns with my values. I've got billions of dollars and I want to invest in the future of women's sport. It just it reminds you who else is sitting out there and watching what we are doing here and how much it is, um, you know, the kind of cutting edge when it comes to one of the most um, kind of, I suppose, stereotypically non-female areas and changing that every single year, making a huge um, changes and moving forward to assess my own reaction to this, I need to talk you through a bit of a roller coaster and also be quite open with my initial reactions. First of all, I thought, oh my god, this is amazing! I love this stuff. I own it. I use it. This is going to be great. And then I thought, wait, is this a good thing to have a beauty brand for F1 Academy? Do we have to look perfect? and drive faster than anybody else whilst dismantling misogynistic agendas and, you know, stereotypes in motorsport? Do we need to be perfect looking while we're doing that as well? And then I thought, wait a second, no, this is so awesome. It's owning femininity in motorsport and it's saying that two things can be true. It's saying you can love, you know, feeling confident and doing that through what you put on your skin and your face and how you present into the world, as well as being an absolutely badass female driver. Like you can be both of those things. Um, And so then suddenly I went into this feeling of this is amazing. You're owning femininity in motorsport and that's just incredible. And so I went, like I said, (laughs) these are my, my very, uh, quickly changing, but, uh, very honest reactions to, you know, this news. But at the end of the day, it just says so much about the buying power and the economic power of female fans, um, of women generally speaking and female athletes. Go and listen to Tony Cohen Brown talking about this. She's much more analytical when it comes to brand partnerships and the economics of motorsport than than I am. But that is something that it just, you know, kind of screamed out to me. And the thing which I think will make this so successful is the alignment of values when it comes to Charlotte Tilbury as a brand and F1 Academy. It's They're both organisations that are about celebrating strength, determination, potential, female excellence um, and that whole kind of dare-to-dream mindset, which you'll see on the side of the car. And when you have two brands that align so much in what they're trying to set out to achieve, I think that's a really great recipe for success. Um, so you'll see a Charlotte Tilbury car out there. It'll be a helmet. It'll be a race suit as well. There is one very unpopular opinion which I'll which I put out there though, which is that I hate delivery. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there was such potential there for it to be a bit more creative um, and just to kind of plaster 
um, kind of, yeah, the sticker all over it. I just think there was greater potential there for something really cool. Um, so I don't love the livery, but I love everything else about it now that I've finally reached my, uh, my <laughs> mindset um, on, on this partnership. The first round for F1 Academy is in Saudi Arabia, so it's only a couple of weeks away. That's uh, round two of F1, um, and then they're going to Miami, Spain, Netherlands, Singapore, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, which is great. It's a, that is a good mix of tracks, quite honestly. Um, that leads us in, Spain leads us into talking about um, and another stupid decision by Formula One to have another street circuit. Hey, Campy, let's delete Barcelona and go to Madrid after we just made Barcelona good. Yeah, dumb, dumb, dumb. Who Seriously. makes these decisions? And I hear rooms about 30 races for a season too. <laughs> Jeez, that is uh, – they really care about the carbon <laughs> footprint, don't they? It just throws in the face of everything they've done. They are full of shit, the F1. This is a sport about money and how much they can get. Oh, look, Barcelona was finally made good with the uh, changes they made to the track. We're racing on the uh, the Moto GP last corner now instead of doing the chicane. It's just a right hander into the straight, so that works. They fixed turn. Oh, I can't remember the name of the turn. They fixed the angle on it a couple of years ago too, which has produced well much better racing than a uh, F1 2005 Championship Edition, which that corner <laughs> used to kill me. Anyway, um, last time you played a game. <laughs> Yeah, look, this sport does – Oh, look, I don't mind street circuits. I think Madrid's a pretty iconic city. Uh, we know what Spanish fans and motorsport are, culture, celebrations, all those things. I think it would be great for the sport. Do we fit that race into somewhere else that I'd rather race? Probably, but I, I haven't seen the track yet. So who knows? It'll be a celebration. And I think this is the way that the sport is moving. You've seen things like Vegas and Miami the last few years. They're the big additions to the calendar. And this is what F1's going to try and do. It's it's not so much about the racing now. It's more about the city and the area and the fans and the people and the spectacle that the race can be. The race is almost secondary to the festival that occurs around the city and, and the places they want to go around the world. And that's the model moving forward. So, yeah, there's going to be some big-name cities that move out, uh, you know, that get some great races over the next few years. It's good to see Melbourne's here stay. And back to the first race of the calendar too in 2025. I'm <laughs> bloody excited about that. That's where it should be. Uh, get rid of these oil-rich Middle Eastern countries. We don't need them. Let's go to bigger and better places. Like, I reckon Dallas would be the place to race. Oh, another US race. Yeah, that's what we need. Uh, In the same state. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back to Australia. Uh, Freya, I think, I mean, from what I understand, also Madrid, so it's 2026. Barcelona is still supposed to be on the calendar in 2026. So, we, I mean, it's very unlikely we're going to have two Spanish Grand Prix. Um, so they'll probably delete Barcelona sooner. Uh, it is, I have seen some um, F1 renderings of it, as in like some sim work of the Madrid track. It looks fine. But, I mean, again, there are plenty of street circuits. We've got more and more street circuits coming on and less and less of the traditional tracks. I mean, Barcelona has been a stalwart of F1 testing up until it wasn't when Bahrain paid to have that testing moved to there. But from the Spanish point of view, potentially it's better for fans because it's pretty close to the centre of the city. The Barcelona circuit's quite a way out from Barcelona city itself. Yeah, I think when you look look at the logistics of where this track is, it should actually be a spectator's dream. It's literally like 15 or 16 k's out from the city. You can get there via any form of public transport. If you're going straight from the airport, there's that 
transport option. Um, it's when you're going to be going to a track, that's something that you really take into consideration. And you and I have both had experiences where that has been so incredibly challenging and has been so stressful that it makes you not want to go ever again. So it is something to think about when it comes to the spectator's experience and does kind of look like that's really at the centre of some of this decision-making at very least. And when it comes to Spanish fans, some little statistics here, um, they saw a 77, what was it, 77 million uh, Spanish TV audience last year, which is an 84% increase from 2022. So viewing in Spain has absolutely exploded and their social media following has risen by by 23%. They see visitors to the Formula One website has gone up by 45%. Like it's exploding in Spain. Now they obviously have two Spanish drivers on the track at the moment. Hopefully they will continue to have two, if not more, next year as well. So it makes sense that we have a lot going on in Spain for Formula One. Like you said, they haven't actually confirmed that they'll be ditching Barcelona just yet. And I almost see this as a bit of a challenge to Barcelona. I think they've already done a lot, like you said, Campy, to try and improve the track. But this is kind of saying, all right, well, I see your track changes and I raise you public transport over to you, Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens there. And that that is kind of also what Domenicali has said is that this is starting to show what the future of F1, um, you know, live experiences look like. So everybody else mm. needs to raise the game. Yeah, and, I mean, that was a big focus with Vegas, wasn't it, Campy? Yeah, I just got one question, though. What is uh – what does Germany have to do to get an <laughs> F1 race back on the calendar? They've got some of the greatest racetracks yep. in the world. What does F1 <laughs> hate for Seriously. Hockenheim, Hockenheim genuinely was the last incredible race to watch and that was oh. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, a very long time ago. Yeah, okay, end of 2021 was interesting because of a safety car and a decision by Michael Massey. That was pure jeopardy. Absolutely, 360s going on, Max Verstappen still doing all kinds of stuff, Hockenberg having an opportunity and then throwing it away. It was That was it's a great track. They should uh, absolutely go back there. Uh, Suzuka has been extended to 2029. Fantastic. Japan should stay forever. If they ever move that track, then everyone should cancel Formula One. Um, Silverstone has been extended for forever because I'd wait, where else are they going to race? Brands Hatch, very unlikely. <laughs> uh, all of the F1 teams are based basically at Silverstone now. Um, so they'll keep that there. But Campy said this earlier, Australia is going back to be the season opener in 2025. Not confirmed. Accidentally posted by the OzGP social media team. Um, thank you for that, team. That's very good. Very kind of you to give us the uh, inside line. Uh, very quickly deleted by them. So I can only imagine the conversations that were happening uh, in the Australian Grand Prix Corporation headquarters that morning. But uh, Freya, Camp is right. It's the it's a logical start to the F1 calendar here in Australia. You don't have to go 17 kilometres from the middle of town. It's in the middle of town. It is easy to get to. There are heaps of trams, heaps of Ubers. You can walk if you want to. It is the most accessible Grand Prix, I think, for every direction. You probably could even get on a boat if you wanted to. <laughs> Well, you could, but then you'd 
end up in the bay, which you just don't want to be in, I don't think personally. But all will be right <laughs> in the world when we see Australia back as the opener for the Formula One season. I feel like maybe we've been watching these last few years and we're like, something's just a bit off kilter, something doesn't feel right, and this is it. We'll all feel like we've got, mm. we're back on steady ground again once we see Australia as the opening round. It just <laughs> makes sense. And like you said, the fact <laughs> the fact that this wasn't accidentally released is the most Australian part of all of it. The fact <laughs> yes. that it wasn't actually announced and someone goes, oh, fuck, that was me. We were meant to do that. That's the most Australian <laughs> part of all of it. That's great. <laughs> So I'm pleased about how it was sneakily oh, announced um, and I'm pleased about the news itself. I wish it had happened for this year and we can't wait. Let's talk about testing, though, before we talk about liveries. Um, that's happening on Wednesday. So if you're here in Australia, RIP, if you want to watch anything of the evening bits. I think it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, or something ridiculous, but it finishes at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, that's when things wrap up here our time on the eastern coast. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Campy, let's talk. This is not necessarily a livery reveal thing, but let's talk about Red Bull because everyone's released their cars gone. yes, very good. Adrian Newey influenced design. This is exciting. We're going to get up there. Red Bull released the car and they everyone goes, for fuck's sake! Because <laughs> <laughs> they completely changed everything, not everything, but most things. And my favourite part is they've taken Mercedes' ideas because Adrian New has gone, I reckon I could do that better and I'm going to prove it. Well, I thought it was a joke when they released that livery. I was like, really? Are we doing these zero pod, no pod things? It says to me that Mercedes, because Mercedes said for two years, they were like, all our data suggests that this is the way to go. It says to me that there is something in that concept. They just couldn't nail the idea. And I think you're right. Newey's gone. Well, they're actually right. But we've we've gone the other way. We know how to make this car quick regardless. Now let's try and implement this part of the design around the rest of the car to make it, you know, unbelievable. So good on them. I think it's a big finger to Newey to the rest of the world saying I've still got this. I'm better than you. And uh, it could be a bit arrogant from Red Bull, couldn't it? We uh, – I would have stayed with their philosophy and tweaked it a bit because it probably would have won them a championship. But uh, it's not how they—it's not how they run this sport and how they do it at the moment. They are oh, bloody hell. Sorry, my phone's going off at work. Um, interesting, interesting. So, Freya, uh, if you haven't watched F1 testing before, what actually happens in these couple of days? So we're going to talk to you about the idea of sandbagging, which is where people. <laughs> So we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, like you said, if, you, if you're kind of new to this part of the season, basically it runs from Wednesday to Friday um, this coming weekend. Teams are allowed to run one car per day um, and they usually have a morning and an afternoon session to figure out how it's working. Um, each session goes for four hours with total testing time of 24 hours over the course of those few days. So normally what you'll see is that teams run just one driver each day. So rather than kind of having someone in the morning, someone in the afternoon, obviously that can be really disrupted by things like biking accidents and uh, illnesses (laughs) and other reasons as to why drivers miss testing. Um, And that can be a bit of a misnomer I think when it comes to you know the more 
laps that you get in um, during testing and success during the season as a team. But as a driver, it's certainly something that we look to and hope not to see, especially with our favourites, when it comes to getting as much time in that car as we can during testing. It is a really important time for the drivers. Um, But we also see uh, a lot of, let's call it, under potential maybe yeah, shown sure, uh, during <laughs> during testing. So Add that to Campy's list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there is that idea of, you know, you get some testing data comes out and it looks like one car is particularly fast and the one that we expected to be dominating is not dominating quite as much as we might have initially thought, but then that does not play out whatsoever during the actual racing season. So we'll see uh, whether that comes you know to life this year or not but the other thing we we learn from testing is around fuel um and you know how the car runs after under high fuel loads and low fuel loads and and things like that and that's one of the other reasons that we can never really tell who's going quickly and who's not is because they some will be running high fuel load while others are running low fuel loads during the same session they won't necessarily tell anybody what type of um variables they're assessing during any one of these sessions. So it is our first look at the cars. It is a really important time for drivers. And basically it's just when we start to get excited for the season ahead, that's about as much as we can look into testing, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be great to see cars on track. Uh, Campy, it's going to be great to see our boy Danny Rick um, in his pre-Red Bull drive for this season it will i'm looking forward to his helmet design this year i'm gonna have to get one of those mini ones i've got a couple of them now so looking to add to the collection so hopefully it's a good one ah look very excited about danny rick being back in this sport full time i think uh last year was a bit of a miss when he came back broke his hand missed some races it was good to see him back on track but i don't think we saw the real danny last year so it'd be good you'll get some pre-season testing in and uh play that real really good development role for the team. And um, it's going to be a big year for him. He'll make the move up to the top team at some stage too and check I'll get demoted and fall into F1's F1 abyss and the history of the sport. And he'll be a footnote, which is uh, just good for our boy and I'm here for it. Crucial. And uh, the sooner it happens, the better. Unfortunately, uh, we have to be uh, joyous to Danny Rick and sadly uh, Sergio's just in the way at the moment. Um, or we have always said this, though. We do love Sergio. Um, the other thing to note is Lando Norris has had this multi-year deal extension, so he's kind God. of out for Mercedes. The Oscar uh he had, I think, a year extension halfway through last year, so he's absolutely around for McLaren for this year, but who knows what's going to happen next year. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing how he goes. Uh, Campy's already done a prediction that he'll get his first win this year, which is very exciting, and I am absolutely here for that. And uh, other Australian, Valtteri Bottas, is uh, having an interesting time with Fluoro Green. Um, <laughs> a poor bloke. Uh, let's take a quick break, uh, and then when we're back, we'll talk about the liveries. Okay, let's go through the liveries. Freya, thank you for getting all of these photos in line for us. Let's start with Red Bull. The livery is exactly the same as last year. Zero surprises. Um, it's the car, which is the most interesting. Um, Freya, do you think maybe they'll do like a special, like the Red Bull camo livery for testing was was bloody awesome. Remember when they did that? Do you think they'll bring something like that out for this week? 
Not for this week, I don't think. I think their attention is going to be solely on trying to understand whether Newey's genius is in fact genius as opposed to mad genius. So I think that's where their their attention will be this week. I don't think we're going to see anything special from them. But this is just Red Bull keeping the way they always have. And if anybody thought that this livery was going to be any different to the last few years, then uh, you're sadly mistaken and perhaps delusional. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to talk about. Let's talk about Mercedes because there is something to talk about here. Campy, they have finally combined Silver Arrows with the black livery that they've been running uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, do you think this looks good? I like the black livery, but I also like the silver livery too. So the combination of the two, what could go wrong? <laughs> um, <laughs> <So> yes. <laughs> why not have both? No, it's good. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I, Freya, I, just quickly, I did Google that Charlotte Tilbury delivery before, and that is horrendous. You are totally <laughs> spot on there, and you're allowed to have that opinion. That is the shittest livery I've ever seen in the so history ugly. of liveries. It's better than some of the get-ups I saw at the Niora Raceway over the weekend. So, anyway. I feel like that is a low bar to set, Campy. <laughs> anyway. Coming to you live from the Niora Raceway yeah. paddock, it's Campy. <laughs> Here you go. what do you think of the Merc? Uh, I think it's lovely and actually it does look really great alongside their F1 Academy um, sponsored team as well. So when you mm. see their F1 Academy drive, drive next to this, it's going to look absolutely superb. Love it. Let's let's go into the carbon fibre teams. Uh, Ferrari have uh, quite a bit of carbon fibre, but they have some new pinstriping, some yellow and white pinstriping, which I think looks absolutely gorgeous. Campy, have you seen what the Ferrari looks like yet? I have. I like the yellow on the Ferrari. I think those mm. yellow, the yellow Ferraris, are just as iconic to the uh, to the, uh, the the red ones. But um, yeah, I like it. I would love to see. I would love to see Ferrari come out and do a yellow and black livery for an off race this year. Um, mm. But yeah, they're heading in the right direction. It looks good. I, I've got nothing bad to say at Ferrari at the moment. They seem to be making all the right decisions, except getting rid of Carlos Sainz. So other than that, yeah. We- Good. It's hard to still not do that the, though when you're bringing someone in. Have they still got the uh, the quasi cigarette branding on there? The cigarette money somewhere. Oh, that's a good shout. No, no, that's no. Uh, I can see Ray Ban Santander. Santander will go obviously Variety. when Carlos goes too. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the usual AWS and everything else yeah. that F one sponsors. Um, Ray Ban seems to be the big one. Uh, which I'm absolutely here for. Uh, let's talk about McLaren, Freya. Um, carbon fiber, carbon fiber, carbon fiber, carbon fiber. So much bloody carbon fiber, but it looks very similar to last year. Carbon fiber with a lick of orange highlighter, basically, is what <laughs> yeah. we're working with here. Someone just went like, oh, I need to remember that bit. And then they pulled their pen out and just went for it. <laughs> Particularly uninteresting, but uh, it's fine. And I put a couple of notes here just to remember that this one is uh, just a launch spec car. It's not um, their full technical changes, not with, not with the same that we saw with, with Red Bull. So this one is livery only, which is like, I was going, what's the point? It's the same. Anyway. Um, massive shout out to our Discord server who gave us the reasons why Monster isn't a brand on the car. It is the Coca-Cola replacement. Coca-Cola own a share in Monster. That's why Coke's gone out of Erebus, by the way, to Tickford because, you know, you've got the Mustang, the Monster Mustang. Now you've got Tommy Randall with a Coca-Cola Castrol 
Tickford, anyway, whatever, but the just a BV8 supercars. But that's where it's going. That's where Monster's going is oh, yeah. to, to replace the drink bottles and everything else. Um, so thank you, I think, for all of that information from the Discord. Uh, Aston Martin, this looks good. I like this a lot, Campy. Yeah, British Racing Green. What can go wrong? Absolutely nothing in an Aston Martin. Now, it's always looked schmick, that car. I didn't like the purple that they added uh, a couple of years ago. Was, but um, now they stayed true to themselves. I like it. I'm into it this year. It looks good. Um, I think they could go for a deeper green than what they, they have traditionally. I remember seeing it for the first time live and I was like, uh, it's not the green I wanted it to be. But uh, the darker green could be better, but that's my only bone of contention. Aston Martin, British Racing Green, what can possibly go wrong? No, absolutely nothing. I agree, and especially on their race suits. I want their race suits to be darker because I feel like in that fabric, mm. that's when it gets lightened up as well. It's It looks a bit better on the car. So, yeah, throw – Throw some more carbon underneath, make it dark. <laughs> they they could do they could do a they could do a camo too, and that would be hands down the best livery Ooh. of all time. And a redneck Ooh. like myself would yes. just I'd <laughs> fall in love with that team, and they'd do no wrong. And I would I would praise Lance Stroll's performance every week if they did that. You just would for me. not. So, you are full of bullshit. I would. I would. No. That's absolute bullshit. <laughs> Everything true. is better and faster in camo. <laughs> oh yeah, but you can't see it. Uh, Alpine apparently have two liveries. They look exactly the same to me. Uh, there is, they've gone to the blue highlighter and the pink highlighter fryer. Yeah, exactly. And so when you put that next to uh, the steak F1 team kick Sauber, honestly, it's a terrible name. We <laughs> we add the green highlighter as well. It's a full pack. Yeah, that's right. Honestly, I, I quite like Alpine, <laughs> but it's it's such a beautiful colour combination with that like really bright blue and the hot pink. Like again, that just it looks lovely together, especially with some white in there. Doesn't really matter what they do with it. It's gonna look pretty nice. So uh yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Bit too much uh bit too much carbon, but They've actually got some beautiful mm. merch that came out last year, Alpine do. Um, they had some camo stuff, Campy. Does that mean you'll wear <gasps> if we get if we get Campy some of the camo <sighs> merch from Alpine with Ocon and Gasly's names oh. on it? Will you wear it? Because you'll go faster, yeah. apparently, you see, Campy. Well, I'll Try that in the bush next time out there, stalking some deer, and we'll see if it actually works. It's French camo, so it probably won't work. It might look the part, but just like France, it doesn't do much. Bonnie so. would wear it. <laughs> yeah, come Hello. on. Bonnie, Bonnie agrees. Star. We've got ducks in our backyard uh, at the moment, just by the way. It's pretty uh, cool. good for Bonnie. Uh, Williams good for my belly haven't too. actually released their car. Oh, stop it. Williams haven't released the car, but they've released the livery. looks very much the same. Um, some new, uh, maybe just a bigger sponsor, Komatsu. I'm not, I can't remember if they were a sponsor last year, but they are the big on the side sponsor. Golf has got a, uh, a bigger disc now of their logo too, but the actual car launch itself is late. The, we haven't really seen much in terms of what's going on. They're running behind apparently. So, uh, the first time the world or in the media will see their 24 challenger is Wednesday or probably tomorrow, to be perfectly honest, if they wheel it out for some photos. Um, but that looks pretty good. The race suits, Freya, a lot lighter. Um, Albon's helmet looks good too for this year. I got so used to Albon with bleached hair that his natural hair now looks to looks like a wig. Like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's got a toupee on because I'm so... <laughs> so familiar with the bleach blonde hair. So um, 
I would like it if you went back to the blonde, to be entirely honest. Uh, had a bit of a radical, um, I don't know, kind of. fangirl here. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, then I'm not I'm not ashamed by ashamed by that uh, campy um, of bleach though specifically. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? Oh, I can weird, imagine very weird fangirl. Twelve year old Freya listening to Eminem back in 1992 or something or whatever it was in her room. <laughs> well, if I was twelve in 1992, that's really concerning for me. By the way, <laughs> yeah, but sorry, 2002. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Out of ten years. Uh, that's also still concerning for me, Campy. How old do you think I am? Oh my goodness! Oh, like, this is, uh... You're at least thirty, aren't you? Yeah, that doesn't How's make me twelve in two thousand and two, though. Twenty fourteen. Anyway, let, let's, let's stop six years talking. Off. Jeez. Let, let's talking. Uh, let's stop talking. So only six years old. That means a lot in your thirties, Campy. All right. Do you want to talk about V carb, Freya? <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Freya. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about V carb. Uh, are we going to make the? Can we make the deal that we're never going to say the full name and only call it V carb? Well, I can't tell you on. what the full name is because I've forgotten it already. Okay, much great. like uh, the so next yes, one. Then. So I was not sure what they were going to do with this. I have to say, I like it. I really do like it. I think it will look mm. good on track. It's got a bit of a retro vibe to it, which I'm here for. And when you put Danny Rick in it, it's going to be even cuter. So, you know. <laughs> that video hasn't Bloody come out yet. I'm looking forward to putting that out uh, <laughs> soon. Shit. Uh, I showed Tommy T that video, actually. You'll be happy to know. The, uh, and he pissed himself laughing. He was like shocked that you could walk forwards and talk at the same time on uneven terrain. Uh, this oh, week It's a pretty basic looks- fucking skill, Jim. Give me a break. Bloody hell. <laughs> no. Well, for a man, for can't you, be, no. Can't be, if a break is what you're after, do not come on this podcast. You're in yeah, the wrong that's right. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place, pal. Yeah, well played. Well played. Uh, the Toro Rosso's back. That's all they've done is they've just got the blue from Toro Rosso, which looked absolutely brilliant at the time. I don't know why the hell they decided to change it. Looks absolutely magnificent. Um, this is a, probably my favourite livery of um, the entire season so far is is this one because it just looks absolutely mint. I love that blue. Um, and let's finish up with I don't know what the name of this team's actually going to be because I think that they've removed Stake from the website or Kick, one of them. Anyway, Stake is the online casino. Uh, Kick is the streaming platform. But Sauber, let's be honest, we're just going to call it Sauber, um, is bright green. Do you know what? At least we'll know that they are them this year rather than going, is it Haas or is it Alfa Romeo or is it someone else? It's very confusing. That there, No one looks anything like this team this year. Um, and it does look like they've made some progression. Um, just to talk quickly about these guys, James Key came in, I think, September last year out of McLaren. He had something to do with McLaren's uh, redesign in the way that they, you know, have made some big leaps and bounds forward, which is good. Maybe, Campy, they'll actually make some leaps and bounds in this way. I mean, there's some design decisions that they've gone down, which James was arriving too late to sort of help implement. But there's a few other things apparently which he's, Manage to sort of steer into more of a McLaren direction. Yeah, look, they've got some money behind them now, so they can start to do things and prepare for that Audi partnership in 2026. Air livery looks great. It's probably my favourite of the grid this year. I love that 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 green. It's it's sort of the opposite to the uh, the McLaren livery, right? With the orange yeah, and black. True. That's the the green oh, yeah, and black. So, uh, so yeah, no, Castell highlighters. 
I like it. I don't. I don't love the name, but anyway, that's money talks, bullshit walks. So I'll, I'll continue to invest in that garbage online casinos. It's bad enough going to a casino in real life and expecting to win. Like you idiot, the house always wins. But ones on computers. I mean, what the hell is wrong with you people? Seriously. That is just a recipe for disaster and scamming. Anyway, leave it there. Car looks good. That team's in a good position. Got some key personnel. So, yeah, that's great. Freya, you were wincing when Campy said that uh, this is his favourite livery, not yours? It's not mine. Uh, It's just just, I don't like it. I I don't even know what to say. I just don't like it. I don't (laughs) like the green. I think it's a terrible green. It looks like highlighter green. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what their, like, hive is, like the paint that they put on for testing is going to look like against their um, uh, their, yeah, their the car point. as well. The, Good point. Honestly, it's, yeah, look, I don't, I don't love it. Like you said, they don't look like a cherry ripe anymore. That's probably good for differentiation on track. But, oh, the, actually, no, that's, that's the only thing I was going to say. When you then put Valtteri Bottas in his, like, highlighter green race suit with black with his bleached blonde hair and his mullet. Oh. He's taking his blonde, his Australian identity just to the absolute next level. You might like just someone give him like a giant coffee and a meat pie from and he can go and hang out on one of Campy's work sites. He will fit in so well. <laughs> um so I'm here for that visual, but not much else. Uh. That's very good. Uh, and Haas just looks like the same as last year with more carbon, less paint. Um, yep. No real surprises there. Well, that's all the liveries. Testing is this week. There's heaps to come. Uh, but what I thought we'd do to finish this episode off, how how was your summer break? How was your winter break? What are you looking forward to most this year? And is there anything that we should know or any listeners want to find you doing other things? Freya? Let's start with you. How was your break? And, and happy birthday. I haven't said that on a podcast. Happy birthday, Yeah, happy Freya. birthday, Fra. Thank you. Was Apparently a, I'm turning like 51, but thanks, Candy. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>, hell. <laughs> Math is his strong suit Well, it's too. also mine if I went with 51. But anyway, um, yeah, look, I <laughs> had a great break. I got to come back to Australia, which is always just a wonderful thing. I miss that place dearly and just the smell of eucalyptus and spent a lot of time on mm. Lakeside Drive, not just with you guys, but running around it and training there because, as you mentioned, things that we're doing outside of motorsport, um, I'll be running the London Marathon in April, which is now nine weeks away, which is terrifyingly Ooh. close. Um, yeah. So things are starting to get really real now. I'm running a lot further, like, well, further than I ever have before actually, um, which is pretty cool but uh, also a bit daunting as well. So that's kind of taken over the first quarter of the year. Um, and if anyone wants to give uh, save the children some of your hard-earned dollary dues, then they would be incredibly grateful. So that's a charity that I will be running for um and just to give you a couple of ideas as to like when i say every dollar counts i genuinely mean it in that this is in pounds sorry but with um save the children one pound 50 provides enough food to feed a severely malnourished child um you know 75p can feed a child in south sudan for an entire school day nine pounds 
gives one Afghan refugee child a learning kit so that they can keep going to school and the list goes on. So small amounts can go a really long way and I don't think there's been a time in my kind of, I suppose, living 41 years (laughs) um, (laughs) that it's been more important to (laughs) look after the children of the world. Um, It's all pretty grim out there. So if you've got a couple of bucks, you will put the um, the link to donate to Save the Children charity in one of our links. So in one of our bios or however social media works. <laughs> It'll be in the podcast description. If you're listening Thank to this you, on the James. app, on Spotify or Apple, just go down. I'll put it on the website too because that's awesome, mate. You Not only you're running but doing it for a charity is really, really kick-ass. Um, we're all bloody behind you, which is very exciting for that uh, campy. I'll give you some money for it. I'll give you five hundo. That's a great cause. Oh, thanks, Campy. The exchange rate is killing me. (laughs) Oh, really? Although in pounds, on on pounds though, it's five hundred Australian dollars. About three pounds fifty. Yeah, we're struggling over here, aren't we? What have I been up to, Jim? I I've actually moved here, so I've moved from the Mornington Peninsula down to. Lakes Entrance area, Painesville, yeah. little place, pretty close to the Meetung Pub, which is nice. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Iconic. So, yep. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. It's good. Uh, what else is happening? I, I have not looked at any F1 anything since we t- talked about it, but since the last race, I just needed a detox from the – the, totally. the boringness. So what I've been watching some motorsport. Dakar was great. Kept up with that. Yes. Extended yep. highlights is good. We've had the motorbikes on in the States, which has been fun. Six Nations started a couple of weekends too, ago too. So I've been watching that. So the sport's been great. And, uh, yeah, a bit happening this year. I can't when – when I'm in a position to say what we're doing, I can do that. I'll just leave it there. But, uh, yeah, life is good. Me and my wife have relocated. It's very – it's fun. Might be getting and a Bonnie. new dog too. Yes, Bonnie is cute. A oh, new dog? Bonnie's expect, not enough? Expect some Bonnie spam coming to you very <laughs> soon. So we're going to do Athlete. weekly Campy and Bonnie updates on Lakeside, dog, Lakeside <laughs> Drive Cats and Dogs. So, That's great. Uh, I've got to get Best some corner of good, the internet right there. good photo ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife will help with that. Shout out to you, Bryony. Yeah. Um, if you want to – what about See you, any mate? of those, go to our Discord. Yeah, well, go to our Discord. That's the best place to keep in touch with us. Um, plenty of things. Uh, stupidly, I've decided to start a new podcast with Rob James, uh, from uh, who's a friend of the show, a friend of me of the show uh, from Boxer Neutrals. So we're talking about rallying called Listen to My Calls. That is a lot of fun. It's genuinely very uh, good. I love that sport. It's on. In fact, the Rally Sweden has just Last yeah, night. It's just about to wrap yeah. up. Oh, my God, that was incredible. There was a Rally 2 car of Oli Solberg that was in third position overall, beating some of the Rally 1 cars on the end of uh, the first day, which was really awesome to see. Um, And very excitingly, this week, and I get to say this now out loud, this week I uh, am hosting and producing a brand-new podcast for the race. Uh, So I get to say don't forget the hyphen, um, which uh, I've (laughs) – I see you guys in Discord take the piss of Edge from that. So now I'm going to start doing it too. But, yeah, you will find it. Um, It's called the F1 Briefing. It'll be a daily podcast across the race weekend, 10 minutes or so. So um, you'll get the same version of me there as you do here. It's not going to be any more journalistic. It's just very relaxed and and chilled. 
And if you come to the Australian Grand Prix, I said this earlier in the year, you'll get to see my face. Hopefully you get to see all of our faces because um, <laughs> if you're listening from the accreditation team, please approve. That would be good. <laughs> uh, we, you don't know until the week of the Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, so hopefully there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a really busy year, really great year. Um, I'm excited. It's It's been enough of a break now. I very much enjoyed the break. I needed the break. We're, I'm refreshed. I think we're all refreshed, energized, and ready to go, um, except for Freya, who is running, <laughs> because uh, that's maybe not so refreshed when you're putting yourself through that. Not only putting yourself through that, Freya Brolsma, you're running in London, which is a very specific climate. You're training in the bloody Caribbean. So you're going to get there and run so much faster than everyone else. You're like, oh, it's quite good here actually. There's a lack of humidity in my lungs. When, you, when your body is not spending like 90% of its energy trying to keep you cool, it might actually be able to run. So I'm hoping that that works Incredible. in my favour. <laughs> now, Jim, I heard a quick rumour this week that you made your, uh, you made your big arena, 2,000 people or whatever, debut on stage last week. How did I manage that? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'd already forgotten the best moment of my life and I'd already forgotten. Uh, is, if anyone knows me, you know that I love the darkness. I absolutely love them. They are my favourite band of all time. I uh, saw them twice when they came out to Australia over the last couple of weeks. I went down to Melbourne um, and I uh, saw them in Canberra. And the Melbourne trip uh, or the Melbourne concert was exactly 16 weeks since my surgery so I had, and some of you know this, but I had a full foot reconstruction post an army injury from many, many years ago. And fell that was the head mark for me. Yeah, fell in a hole uh, and a few other things. But that was the head mark for me to be able to stand up for many hours watching the darkness gig. And I was told by my surgeon by that 16 weeks plus, that should be fine. And it was fine. Um, I enjoyed watching it so much that I then booked tickets to Canberra and I did the VIP um, thing and part of the VIP thing is you go into the draw to sing on stage with them. My name got drawn out of the hat and so I sung Growing On Me with the darkness um, and was complimented on my singing by Justin and Dan Hawkins. Best moment of my life can die any point from now. Yeah. Be totally that's happy. a mic Everything drop. Else did, is, please tell me you actually did shit. a mic drop after Whoa. that. Like that's astonishing. I'll tell you what I did do, which was not good for my recovery, um, Rufus Tiger Taylor, who is the son of um, the Queen drummer, if, uh, oh, if yeah. you don't know that, um, but he he indicated this is this is a great audio podcast thing. But he indicated jump off the drum riser onto the stage to end the song, which is what Justin always does. And uh, in my mind, my split second went, my physio's not going to be happy about this. My ankle's not going to be happy about this. But I'm going to be fucking stoked about this. And so I did Commit. it anyway. Um, and it was the best, genuinely the best. So yes, thank you, Campy, for reminding me for that. The best <laughs> moment of my life. I'd already forgotten about it. Uh, but that's it. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We've, it's going to be a busy year. You'll hear us every week, every Monday. Uh, we will be in your ears uh, for post-races uh, reviews or race previews. If we get an opportunity to do any interviews throughout the year, they will be added in either in the regular programming or as bonus episodes. Um, but, yeah, you can find us on social media. Camp even has social media now. He's on X. I'll find out what his username is and put it in the link in the description. You can tweet at him and see what comes no. back. Do not. <laughs> I'll block you. <laughs> uh, this has been a great chat. Thank you so much to you both. This has been Lakeside Drive F1 Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And if you really enjoyed it, leave a rating or review. You can send email feedback 
uh, via links. You can contact us on Discord. It's been great fun doing it. Looking forward to this year. Freya, a massive thank you to you. Anytime. Campy, <laughs> thank you to you. Yes. Oh, thank you, guys. What a great chat. It's going to be a good year. <laughs> this has been Lakeside Drive. I used to have dreams that Robbie Williams would do that for me, by the way, and in particular oh, when yes. I went to see his swing tour because he did that song yep. with Lily Allen. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, I right had a dream true. that uh, he pulled me up on stage and I got to do a duet with Robbie Williams. That didn't happen to me. So the fact that you got to live your dream, James, mm. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.